Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. For those who simply can't get enough talk about the Vikings... Mm -hmm. We present Bonus Chatter. Bonus Chatter about your favorite team that's unscripted, unfiltered, and uninterrupted. This is another edition of 1500 ESPN's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar along with Courtney Cronin from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. How are you, Courtney? I'm good. I'm soaking in all of the excitement. Can you not feel it or hear it in the in the background behind us? How exciting <laughs> it is here right now? Well, we are in kind of a quiet area, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely exciting. Uh, I am bench pressing while doing this. Oh man, you just took my next thing. I'm fine. I'm running a 40. Right after we get off this. I prefer the three-cone drill. Oh, yeah. Do you uh, know how to run it? No. It's very hard. It looks very easy, but it is, you know, sometimes you go the wrong direction. I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen. Yeah, and you go the wrong way in the three-cone drill, and something something bad could definitely happen to your career. Anyway, (laughs) so we had a chance today to um, have a conversation, a couple of us, you and I, uh, included with General Manager Rick Spielman. Uh, he talked about the quarterback situation, as you might expect. What was your takeaway from his comments about the quarterback situation? It sounds like deflection to a degree. I mean, there had been some rumored report, some reports out there, which he shot down immediately that, number one, nothing has been decided with the quarterback situation. So that means the three quarterbacks that they have, no determination whether they, whether they stay or go, who you bring back, any of that. Number two, that the franchise tag has not been decided upon for Case Keenum. There was a report on uh, Monday from uh, NFL Network saying that it's not going to happen, which wouldn't surprise me in the slightest. It'd be unprecedented if the Vikings were to use that on Case Keenum since they've never used it on a quarterback. And then the third thing um, that I took away was, you know, we've heard about the contract with Teddy Bridgewater not tolling, not expected to toll. I don't know if we got 100% clarity on it from Rick Spielman. He said he doesn't believe it will, but um, I think that there's still some wiggle room there. Just kind of the way he phrased um, that and, like, you know, coming coming off of that a little bit later, you know, praising Teddy Bridgewater and saying, you know, sometimes it might not be in our best interest, but we're going to try to do something in the best interest of the player. And what did you make of that, that comment? Was weird. His, his exact quote was like you you just said it. that he said that the organization tries to do things in the best interest of players even if it's not in the best interest of the organization is any, that close enough anytime our organization can reach out and help a player even though it may not benefit us we're always going to try to look out for the best interests of our players now that was confusing to me because they're trying to toll the contract of teddy bridgewater which is not in the best interest of teddy bridgewater but do we know if they're really trying to toll it like we've gotten a sense back at super bowl super bowl week we had the sense that whoa this actually may very well happen but it's not a vikings decision so it's it's the nfl one way or the other trying to toll it but if they're talking about doing what's in the best interest of their players, even if it doesn't benefit them, how would that it, – it's almost like it doesn't make sense because they don't have – it's not their call. So that kind of – unless they're lobbying, unless they're, it, there's some sort of you know, caveat there that we're not really sure of, it, that to me was probably the biggest gray area. Of, I mean, there's three newsworthy things that we got from Rick Spielman and otherwise, you know – a session where, of course, he doesn't show his hand, which you expect. I mean, why do it now? Um, and I think with the quarterback situation, they've been very guarded about it, despite 
reports and, and information allegedly leaking out that, you know, they want to go into this. And I, and I would not be surprised if they do drag it out to the wire to March 6th with the franchise tag and then to March 14th when free agency starts. That's usually how it works is till the very final last second that they can possibly tell us what's going on. Sure. That's when they do. And I mean, I guess that's why deadlines are created that comment though was surprising to me because i wasn't sure exactly what it was supposed to be saying is he trying to make the point that they want what's best for teddy bridgewater but which would be to not toll him right i mean hitting the free agent market is the best thing for teddy bridgewater but it's what's interesting to me is every time they talk about and this goes for mark wilf this goes for Rick Spielman, Mike Zimmer, anyone who has been asked about Teddy Bridgewater and his future in Minnesota, they go into gush mode about his personality, how he's represented the franchise, how he has worked incredibly hard to come back. And what I can't figure out is whether that is trying to send a message to Teddy, we still love you, don't go play for Jacksonville or something, like we still want you to be here, or is it saying hey, we love Teddy and we love who he is, but we're going to get Kirk Cousins, so sorry, bye. Which way do you read it? You know, I, I see it both ways, but I'm going to go with like your second point first. They would look pretty bad after all that they've poured into this guy, the, the money, the resources, and his rehab, and the time um, to just be like, okay, well, sorry it didn't work out. Like, sorry we, you got in and threw two passes in, in 2017 despite the circumstances. And, you know, all of these scenarios where they expected him to be the starter and they expected him to take his job over back over but Keenum kept playing so well and it was just such a tough situation and he and he, he was the company man he stood there he held a role and he held down you know the notion that I am the backup this is not about me this is about case and this is about the team doing well so I see it kind of as a sign of respect thing for him um, and, and also you know you would think to save some face too because you don't want to be the organization that you know just tosses this guy aside i think it's bad pr if you do especially given the circumstances of what he went through there seems to be a lot of posturing from a bunch of different areas one being the kirk cousins side where all of a sudden you started to hear a bunch of noise after the report came out with them not tagging case keenum a bunch of noise about kirk cousins and the vikings and is that real Vikings interest there or does that come from Kirk Cousins side who is leaking things out saying oh yeah the Vikings are in because they want to push up uh, the Jets price if you think about it the the reports came out that the Jets were all about it that they were willing to literally give him a jet (laughs) yeah 60 million dollars guarantee would buy you a jet exactly Uh, gazillions of dollars the Jets are all in no matter what right Mm -hmm. so that we get that report then not long after, we get another report that says, hey, hey, the Jets aren't all all in. They're just kind of all in. Okay. <laughs> and then following that is all the stuff about the Vikings. I mean, the timing there is a, a, it makes you wonder if the Vikings are being used to jack up the price for someone else. And then Charles Robinson reported that he thinks uh, that Denver is in the mix, that they might even be the favorite for Cousins. So by no means is it a lock that if the Vikings move on from Teddy Bridgewater – that they get Kirk Cousins or convince him, this is going to be some tricky timing because if Cousins wants to go meet with the teams that want him after March 14th and Bridgewater wants a contract before that with the Vikings, I mean, what do you do? Would you extend Bridgewater and stick with him or wait to see if you get Kirk Cousins and ask Bridgewater to hang around in the background and talk to other teams? I mean, the, the thing that can't happen here is getting left out in the cold. No, absolutely not, which I think is also going back to the franchise tag. I never thought, and we talked about it last week, I didn't think a fran- franchise tag's realistic, the non-exclusive or the exclusive. The trans- I remember the pie chart, yeah. That, yeah, those, gosh, we were bad at that. We botched the pie We chart. should probably, since we're in person, learn how to do a pie chart correctly, but the transition tag, which I believe I had some nice percentage on in that pie chart, um, that's, I just think you risk like entering the Kirk Cousins sweepstakes. If you don't have somebody, if you don't have an NFL quarterback on your roster, that's terrifying. That's a bad position to be in because if you miss out on Kirk Cousins, what's your backup plan? I mean, and, and there's not, it's not to say that you expect, you know, all three of them to get stamped between Keenum, Bridgewater and Bradford to get scooped up, but you're going to be probably overpaying 
and matching and you know having to like go over above and beyond for all these offer sheets to get somebody when you could have gotten for a substantially lower price because I just believe someone's going to go nuts and offer Keenum, you know, three years, $45 million or a little bit more than that. Like I just could see that something like that happening. Oh, I could definitely see that. And Keenum, it almost feels like the way Rick Spielman talked was Keenum isn't entirely out of the picture at the moment, but he was trying not to tip his hand in, in any way possible about any of his free agents and, and what might end up happening there. Um, but Keenum probably could be a fallback option if you let Teddy Bridgewater go because they don't believe in his future with his knee or if they get left out in the cold with the Kirk Cousins thing because Keenum is going to have to wait for those dominoes to fall to figure out where he's going to go. So once Kirk Cousins lands, if he goes to the Jets, say, then you've got Arizona left, you've got Denver left, you've got Minnesota left, and then I, I think the door ends up still being open if those first two options that even though they didn't franchise tag him is still there is a small percentage chance that they would bring him back only if they got left out or Bradford too because Mike Zimmer had a much better relationship last offseason with Sam Bradford and praised him and liked him and made him the backup quarterback in the playoffs so that remains a small percentage both of those guys coming back I also think that you might not be in as bad a shape as it feels if they don't land Cousins or bring back Bridgewater or want the other two back because somebody is going to draft a quarterback and have their quarterback available for trade. As much as you don't want to be in that position in May without a quarterback, Tyrod Taylor or Ryan Tannehill, both of those teams could draft quarterbacks and decide to trade their guy. And if you're comparing what those two make in their contracts to what you have to pay Kirk Cousins versus the difference on the field, I think that they're all in the same tier of quarterbacks. I think they're all about the 15th best quarterback in the league sort of tier. And, and the best thing for the Vikings, they don't need a top 10 quarterback to win a Super Bowl. Not with this defense. You can get a top 15 quarterback that's not Kirk Cousins. And, and as we've talked about before, do we really know if Kirk Cousins is that much of an upgrade from Case Keenum? Yes, he's consistent. He's made a Pro Bowl. He's played at a pretty much Pro Bowl level the last three years. I know he's only made the game once, I believe. Um, there was an interception in that game. Um, but I just, I'm not so sure on Do you remember that. something that happened in a Pro Bowl? Yes. Because wow. I think 20, it was the 2016 Pro Bowl. Congratulations. You know, it's like I, I I like to find obscure plays from preseason games. Um, you know, I haven't watched one since the center for the Browns ran a touchdown. It's pretty awesome. It was, but that was, was that like that week was four of the preseason. No, I mean the Pro Bowl. Oh, I'm talking about the preseason now. I'm so far into oh, 2018. I you were talking about the Pro Bowl. I was, and then I flipped it on you. So maybe you should oh, pay okay. attention. Yeah, sorry. But I went anyway, the wrong direction there. Yeah, that's you know sometimes that happens to players. It happens it, to you. It's it's tough. You didn't run the three cone drill correctly. Indeed, I did not. Uh, anyway. Anyway, back to Kirk Cousins. <laughs> um, it just I think the risk you run is overpaying because of the cap situation that comes up in 2019. I mean, they have the money to go now. Do they really want to pay Case Keenum what he could get on the free market? I don't know if it will. I would assume it's going to be, will it be $23 million a year or more? I don't know. But I assume it will definitely be a multi-year deal, which is not, you can put that number, you know, $50 million plus and not expect that to be unreasonable. Yeah. Oh, I definitely agree with that. Uh, I would say he probably would get a better than Brock Osweiler deal or better than Mike Glennon deal and look for maybe somewhere in the range of $30 million guaranteed over a couple of years is what he would want. And it doesn't seem that the Vikings, reading the tea leaves and the reports, have any interest of bringing him back there. And also, if you think he's your fallback option, he might be the fallback option for three teams, and you know that he never felt really respected as long as he was the starting quarterback of the Vikings. That It was always somebody calling for Teddy Bridgewater or Mike Zimmer not locking into him or whatever it might be. But I always got the sense from Case Keenum that he felt like the outside world was mostly against him, including maybe his, even his own organization, for not reaching out at any point, which was the report, not reaching out at any point about a long-term contract during this season, that if you feel that way, if you're Keenum, maybe you decide to go to Denver or whoever gets left out of the party 
because you think, well, sorry, Vikings, you didn't really like me that much, so why should I come back and play for you? And we, and we talk about the bad blood that they don't want to create between themselves and Teddy Bridgewater. It's a respect thing for for all intents and purposes. That's what it is with tolling someone's contract. It's financial respect. It's respect for what he went through to get back, to be able to play in that fourth quarter of the Bengals game. I mean, he could have been playing at other times. It's a respect for him waiting on the pup list when he felt like he could have been around a lot earlier. Same goes for Case Keenum. You let him walk, then he brings you, you know, you're asking, okay, like, well, bring your offer sheet that you get from Arizona. Bring bring whatever you get from Denver. And they'll want to, they want to match. It's kind of like too little too late. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I do understand that you're in a tough spot if you go into free agency without with Kyle Sloter as your only quarterback on the roster. I think it's that's why, you know, there's a week until week until the franchise cha- franchise tag window closes. 2 weeks from today, free agency starts, I believe at 4 p.m. Eastern. So they could do something within the next week to put themselves in a non-scrambling spot. And I know Rick Spielman loves to, you know, read all the takes that are out there and and just tell us how wrong we are about the whole situation and they, you know, I'd be panicking if, I mean, if they didn't have an option, I mean, they very well could have this all figured out and we all could look like bozos. But the fact that nothing's been announced yet and the fact that they're not tipping their hand one way or the other about the franchise tag or for sure on the tolling, because he wasn't for sure. He said he thinks something's going to happen. I think that's a bad position to be in. Yeah, right now we're going off of what the reports say is going to happen as opposed to what we know officially and as we saw from Blake Bortles uh, over the weekend. He got paid. I mean, the, the, on Saturday morning, there were reports that Blake Bortles was done in Jacksonville, that they were not going to do anything more with him, that they were on the market for QBs. And so immediately my mind was going to, wow, I mean, this could be really interesting for Teddy Bridgewater to go back to at least the state of Florida, not the same area he's from, but the state of Florida with a great team, or even Case Keenum. And then in the middle of the day, Blake Bortles has a contract. And that makes you go, okay, so we hear these things, these reports come out, but a lot of times the gun has jumped a little bit there and things aren't finalized, and then we see changes at the last minute. And I don't think that the Vikings are going to franchise tag Keenum. You didn't think so either, the transition tag or anything like that. But if they come here to the combine and they talk with Kirk Cousins' people and his excuse me says, allegedly we're not we're not inciting tampering. So we had lunch before this and we were sitting in a booth. So imagine Rick Spielman sitting in a booth and like someone from Cousins' camp sitting in like another booth. It's it's very like um, mafioso essentially, yeah. like yeah. talking and the person's talking. Like, behind him. Like, yes. sitting back-to-back, essentially. Like, so I hear there's a quarterback soon <laughs> to be on the market. Yeah. Huh, that's funny. I heard that, too. Like, a voice coming across the room. It happens. This is this is what the Combine's for. The best thing I ever heard anybody say is the only authentic thing about the Combine is the medical testing. <laughs> yeah. Because there's all these conversations happening between agents and player representatives and teams and all this stuff. And, you know, you have a few too many beers one night and, you know, the negotiations... Get in the works. And all of a sudden you're locked into a McCown. Uh, Man. Or, or something. Uh, <laughs> I would like uh, 30 guaranteed fries. Oh, uh, we're looking for 35 guaranteed tater tots. You know, I really want my <laughs> burger front loaded. If you can, if you can work <laughs> that out for me, maybe like front load it with lettuce. Lettuce is also the color of money. So, oh, I get it. Yeah, know. sure. Yeah. Green. It can also be occasionally referred to uh, if someone has great hair, they have great lettuce. I have never heard that term. Well, I uh, have. So in hockey, they'll, they'll say it sometimes. Guys will grow out their hair. We have a hockey podcast you could listen to, by the way. Uh, anyway, so if they just so happen to get the feel for Kirk Cousins' numbers and they whether have, they're going to they be can, able to do if that. If they don't leave here with that number, that's a failure. Yeah, I, on everybody's I agree. part. I agree. Yeah, they've got to come away with where Kirk Cousins stands and how much it might cost and what the percentage chance it's going to happen. Because once you get into that free agent market, maybe everyone waits on Cousins or maybe not. I mean, maybe Bridgewater wants to sign right away or Keenum wants to sign right away or Bradford. And then you are basically left bidding against several other teams 
for Kirk Cousins, and, and that's a tough spot to be in because if you lose, then you've got to get really creative to get, uh, oh, by the way, the most important position in all of sports. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is the funny thing where uh, we'll get the made fun of for talking about the quarterback situation too much. Like, this is a franchise-changing decision that the Vikings are going to have to make, and there is the possibility... The door was cracked open by Rick Spielman. Not that you can believe everything that he's saying to us on this uh, topic, but of drafting a quarterback as well. And this is a really intriguing draft class. I don't know how far they would have to draft up to get somebody that could be their potential guy for a number of years. Like when we asked him, you know, about do, do you see the possibility among all your either three quarterbacks that you currently have, whether it's Kirk Cousins, whether it's somebody in the draft, do you is are you going to finally be able to less didn't Dante Culpepper the last quarterback that was there for three straight years? Like that's the last long term. I mean, Favre yeah was there two years, and. I'm not considering Christian Ponder, so yeah, don't go or, there. Yeah, you wouldn't consider. I mean, Teddy has been here, but he's not As been the starting. Starter. Yeah. Because Ponder was the starter for two years, got benched. They should have stuck with Gus Farad for three years, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> but, I mean, this is their opportunity. This is your window to have the long-term deal that you so desire, so you're not scrambling every two to three seasons. And it seems like, as you said, the door was cracked open that, you know, it's a company line. We're going to look at all possible options. You could very easily rule that out. Be like, look, we have some great options here. We have some, you know, expected options in free agency. That we have other draft needs. Like, I understand they don't want to tip their hand anyway, but there's a very easy way to kind of shoot that notion down and kind of throw us all for a loop when they do trade up or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot of intriguing quarterbacks. Not even in like the top three. For the rest of the draft. It's really hard to say which one's going to drop, but I think it's got to be one of them. I think it's got to be Mayfield. Think so? Yeah, I mean, everything you hear, like, I mean, I think and I, we'll know more coming out of the combine in the week and, you know, the testing and the interviews and all the stuff that leaks out from that. And, you know, when he does his podium session, um, I'll be curious. But, you know, some of the initial reports that he could be, and you know, some of the mock drafts that, you know, we've both seen um, from NFL media that, like they've, you know, there are still questions that teams want answered. And I could, you know, could he potentially be around at 30? I don't know. I think that's a stretch. I think you got to draft up. And maybe you get him in the top 15. If you're in Minnesota, you can somehow work your way up there. But, I mean, the fact that we're, like, getting into, like, the thick now of, like, well, maybe they're going to draft a quarterback and just let this whole thing just, like, go go to – explode i don't even know the right term they, like they have to have at least one quarterback in place by the time we get to the draft yes now if that's uh josh mccown then get maybe, your backup ready why then, not then maybe we are talking about uh looking at baker mayfield i don't think any way he drops that far i'd be really shocked but the guy that i wouldn't be shocked if he dropped is lamar jackson yeah who uh, i wrote a little bit about and read some things from uh, Bucky Brooks who used to play in the NFL I think he's become a really good analyst especially when it comes to breaking down guys skill sets so I, I took some of what he wrote about Lamar Jackson and then one of his better games uh, from watching him back and he has some mechanical issues that you would need to try to correct um, but even if you didn't he is such a, a dynamic player uh, not just the runner but can move around, can make throws, a great arm. has. Bucky points out in his article that he's got really good accuracy on certain routes where he's, if you're talking about a seam route down the middle, he can make that throw really well or a slant or something like that. So th- there would be a way maybe to even have a chance with him right away. And We have seen rookie quarterbacks in the last two years come in and make an immediate impact, Dak Prescott being one and the other being Carson a, Wentz. A Deshaun Watson is who I was going with for, for even his first year I mean. sure uh Wentz made them you're right Wentz he kind of exploded on the scene and then faded a little mm-hmm. bit and made them relevant and they beat the Vikings uh, but I was thinking of guys that really rose to the top right away as as rookies um, and I think that offensive coordinators are getting much better at kind of working around some of the shortcomings of a rookie so I wouldn't entirely write that off and I after watching a whole season of Lamar Jackson I can hashtag confirm that he's not a wide receiver. He yeah, is or, or, he's an NFL quarterback. Or any other position that people – I hate when people do that. Like, Dak was supposed to be a tight end, remember? 
Yeah, that's right. That was that was his NFL projection. I'm sure that worked out for him. So, as far as the guy who could drop, Josh Allen could also drop. Yeah, I could see that happening. Are the, people people are concerned with like accuracy issues with him? It, I watched some of him, and he has an unbelievable arm. I mean, it, he if he came in, it would be right there with Cam Newton, mm-hmm. like best arms in the league, if not even better. But as far as his accuracy it's all over the place i mean it's it's almost like um you know how uh well you drive a car and you can sort of touch the gas a little bit or put on a little bit more and you can go an exact mile per hour or if you drive a lawnmower it's just in go and you just go yeah and like he's the lawnmower i mean he, there are times where he just firing passes that that have no business being rocketed in there a lack of touch that would really concern you, and you always have to wonder with the reports, the mock drafts, everything else, like who's been saying stuff to try and manipulate these to, to when that player actually isn't that highly regarded. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it, that's one of my favorite parts is trying to put together the pieces of how they actually feel about it because you remember Jimmy Clausen was supposed to be the number one overall pick. It didn't go till the second because they just didn't think he was as good as the mock draft people were making it sound. And he does not have an NFL career anymore. So I mean, it it something didn't add up there. So they uh, are they are fun to they are fun to watch though, and to see kind of how the paper I guess really the paper trail like when you watch where these reports come from, where they start, who are the sources. And, you know, as we talked about earlier, like why is the price on Cousins going all over the place right now? Because that's, you know, what you would expect agents trying to drive the price up. They want to show, hey, I can get clients, I can do this, I can do that. Um, They're the ones who leak that information 99 out of 100 times. And, I mean, I think with, you know, as you said, with rookie quarterbacks too, I mean, whether it's player representatives or, you know, the the college coaching grapevine or, excuse me, telephone line, um, you know, there's it's not hard to find out where that stuff comes from. Right. There are so many potential voices to to be sources that are giving information that uh, nobody who's a reporter that's, really deep in the weeds is going to get it 100% right all the time Mm -hmm. when it comes to this stuff because there are just so many different ways things could go and so many different people who you can hear from in the NFL. Uh, Just moving to a little bit of a different part of what we heard from Rick Spielman, you asked him about the offensive line. I did. And what's really unique to me about this offensive line class is I think the tackles all have potential and the guards are much closer to sure things. And that's the way the last few years, if you take a look at draft classes with the number of offensive linemen that were taken in the first round and how they panned out, they're just, guys are not coming out of college as anything close to a finished product. And like we talked about last week, what do the Vikings need? I mean, obviously we're hearing reports today that Joe Berger apparently is going to pursue playing another year, whether it's back with the Vikings or somewhere else. So if it is back with the Vikings, that holds you down at right guard. You expect Nick Easton to return to left guard. So then it's like, okay, they do need that right tackle spot. If, you know, what are they going to do with Mike Remmers then? I mean, it's, it's, it's the point that I was trying to get at with Rick is, is there a shift in philosophy the last few years where, these tackles aren't coming out. Do you want to invest big in them, you know, right away, or do you go after the interior guys who are a lot more polished? Nobody, by any means, is a finished product, oftentimes. But there are chances, I think, to do what they want to do with their, you know, zone blocking scheme. The athletic guys. There's several of them in this draft um, at the tackle spot, and you know, the you know your guard center combo is kind of like an elf line. You could probably find the next elf line in this draft. And, and I think that, you know, for me, that's Billy Price. It's somebody that I think that they could look at this week. Um, Colton Miller has been, you know, if you're taking a look at names to keep an eye on, I mean, he's the hot one right now. His UCLA. stock keeps rising. And, you know, I think Billy Price, you know, you don't necessarily need that right now, but that's a good developmental project to have. And that's going to be a more sure bet thing than I think, a lot of the tackles in this draft if they were bringing back berger for one more year now i always get a little bit nervous when you're talking about bringing back a guy who's in his upper 30s 36 36. i think he might be going on going into his 
15th or 14th season. Yeah, I mean, it's the same sort of conversation we have with Newman, and every year he proves us wrong, but every year it's risky if you're asking him to lock down a position. Like, he's a nice guy to have, and the same thing with Berger, but asking him to be the starting right guard and lock that in with no parachute there I think is very risky. It would make a lot of sense, though, to have Berger, since he is such a great guy to have in your locker room, Mm -hmm. and I think that he was helpful to Pat Elfline in his growth, him and Nick Easton both having two centers on both sides. So if you do draft that guard, Price is a name, uh, Isaiah Wynn from, sure, from uh, Georgia. Georgia, yep, he's another big name that could be available. Uh, there's also the economics of the deal. If someone is a real tackle, like the real deal starting tackle, most of the time that guy's going to go pretty high. Mm-hmm. And so you end up, if you're number 30, with the third or fourth best tackle in most years. Last year was a little weird, and the Saints got a total steal with uh, Ryan Ramchek, Ramzak. Check. I had CZY. Right? Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce no, that, I but think, yeah, I think you were right. I think it's time. Ryan Ramchek. Uh, but out of uh, Wisconsin, and he turned out to be really good, and he might be one of their franchise players at right tackle even though that wasn't supposed to be a great tackle draft last year. But normally how it goes, if it's a top prospect, they're going at the top because it's such a valuable position, where the guards don't always have that happen. Some of the best guards can be in the early second or late in the first round. And that's where if you're the Vikings, you might say, I think we leave Mike Remmers at tackle because we can get a plug-and-play guard Whereas if we draft a tackle, we might still have to leave Remmers there because that guy might not be ready. Yeah, I mean, you got to wonder, too. I mean, Remmers is the key to this equation, right? Like, if Berger does indeed come back, sign him for a one-year deal, and you're taking a look at what Remmers, where his best fit is, maybe it is moving him back out to, you know, he finish the season as a guard. Maybe it is using that versatility. And, you know, if it doesn't work out with whomever your plug-and-play guy is, then you can find a way around that by putting him, by putting Mike back into the interior part of the line. So I ranked uh, the different positions by their draft need, and I think we can agree on the top three being tackle, guard, and defensive tackle. Yes. What do you have after defensive tackle for maybe a sleeper position? Nickel corner. Nickel corner is the one that I had right after. I had that yeah. at number five. Number four, I running had, back. I had safety. At okay, five. yeah, no, it's. I mean, we got to talk about the the repla- the eventual replacement for Andrew Sandejo and where where to look in this draft because they're, they're this is a pretty good safety class, like pretty good group of defensive backs. And I mean, you're you're going to see them all on display with what their athletic ability is at the combine, but they need somebody to be opposite Harrison Smith. That's a consistent threat opposite Harrison Smith. Sandejo had his best season by his pro football focus grade mm-hmm. last year. Despite and, missing two games. And Harrison Smith always tells us every time we ask about Sandejo, he's better than you guys think, he's always been good, and, and on and on and on. And I, and I agree that he has become a better player, a more consistently good player at that position, is 30 years old, so that makes you wonder how much longer he's got of that. Also, when a guy has a career year, you kind of assume that it's going to go back the other way. And he... The way he plays does kind of open himself up for getting hurt a little bit because he's kind of a reckless abandon. But the way that I was thinking about safety is if there was somebody who was really, really good, a top-of-the-draft guy who just didn't get taken because of how the chips fell, that maybe Mike Zimmer would make a little bit of a tweak to how he handled some of the things, especially some of the third-down situations, third-down and long situations, after what the Eagles did. Now, they were the best team in the league at third down, so I'm not saying he needs to blow it all up, but maybe taking Anthony Barr off the field at times and having another defensive back or maybe just being like a little more creative with some of his alignments or his personnel and having an extra defensive back out there and using Harrison Smith up toward the line of scrimmage, but also two safeties, you know? I mean, I think that there are some potential options there with another dynamic player that they really don't have and the other thing too with Zimmer is you don't have to play your starting defense every single play of every single game and the Eagles show us that if you've got certain talent they drafted Derek Barnett and he gets a a big sack against the Vikings that he was only a 40 percent of snaps type of player even though they drafted him in the first round but those rotational guys 
and the depth can really help you, and I do think that that should be on the Vikings' radar. And that's why I don't necessarily think it's a complete lock right now that they pick an offensive lineman at 30. I was on Mike Mayock's uh, conference call, which lasted like two hours the other day. I mean, God bless him. He was just spouting off information one after the next. And he brought up a good point that, you know, guys like Vita Vey and and Deron Payne and I think it's Taven Bowen, um, Brian, Taven Bryan, uh, and Maurice Hurst might not be. And this was a question that was asked by, I forget who's picking at 26, but... They might, none of them might be there because that's one of, you know, guys who can rush the passer and get to the quarterback are going to be taken soon in this draft. A lot sooner probably than 30, but do you, when you take a look at knowing all of that, do you draft up to try to land a guy like Deron Payne? I know Maurice Hurst, I mean, he's one of my guys that I would look at this week because put, plug him next to Linville Joseph, and I think that you have somebody there who is a foundational player of that defensive line, and they so badly did not have the rotational depth that the the Eagles had with, you know, Timmy Jernigan and Fletcher Cox and uh, Bo Allen and all those guys. I mean, they had so much extra bodies that, you know, by the time – by the time you know week seventeen rolls around, I mean you were starting to see Fletcher Cox go into a whole different sphere, um, you know from like week sixteen through seventeen, and then you know all the way through the playoffs in the postseason. And I remember I did a story on it, like you know what is it about this group? And everybody kind of just points back at it's the way we rotate players mm-hmm. along that defensive line. That's something that the Vikings did not have, but they could feasibly fix that, and not even in free agency. Yeah, and you saw it a little bit when Shamar Stefan went down. Yeah. Just losing that one player. And that was one thing last year that I don't think they're going to have the same sort of luck is in the health area. I mean, they pretty much had the starting defense for every single game. Everson misses a game. Sendejo misses a game, but that was pretty much it. Rhodes went out like every single game from like week 12 on, but he came back. He did. He, did he came always back. Come back. It, which got tiresome is a criticism of him like i i get it but i mean if he was trying to play through an injury and it would flare up throughout games like at least he's trying to play through the injury yeah uh, that cornerback is another area and i think that people would blow their minds if uh or it, it would blow people's minds if they drafted a cornerback in the first again because they would say okay mike zimmer you've got a problem that needs to be treated <laughs> it's like you can't stop obsessing over first-round cornerbacks. Well, the 49ers drafted three straight defensive linemen with the first, with the top five pick, or excuse me, top ten pick the last three drafts, and it's so valuable of a position. Yeah. The, the rusher and the corner, that I don't think it's completely insane to do if it's the right person who's there, in part because I'm not buying stock in Mackenzie Alexander just yet. I don't know if he's there yet. I mean, we'll... You'll never know until the season starts, but let's say Terrence Newman retires. I know he said a month ago that he plans to play. He's going to be 40. He'll be the oldest, unless James Harrison's coming back, which, I mean, he might. might. Uh, He would be the oldest defensive player out there. I think I saw him lifting a bus over his head just outside. I'm sure he could probably out-bench every single player. He could probably bench some of the players here uh, in the bench press, but I digress. Um, I just don't know... If that wrote, I mean, as you mentioned, Terrence Newman's a very good option. He's no longer the elite great option because there were a lot of missed assignments. Um, you know, as that season wore on, I mean, you think back to the Saints game. Why did that touchdown happen with Michael Thomas? Xavier Rhodes is out. That was Terrence Newman in coverage. Like, you know, it, but he he was the best option that they had in the nickel defense, you know. And, you know, if you're trying to find a slot corner, I mean – Mackenzie Alexander, I mean, he'll be in his third year. I think this is a good chance for him to turn the corner, but do you want to have an insurance policy? I would. I would, too. But I don't know if you draft that in the first round. Alexander also might be only fit as an outside corner, and maybe eventually they have not yet, and we'll see what happens here because they've got a long time to do it, but picked up the fifth-year option on Trey Waynes. I think that they will. They have until May to do it. Or try to work out an extension with him before that, which I think is probably the smart cap move is to try and work out an extension with him that doesn't have a big cap hit right away because they've got everyone else being extended, I think. That's another option, or they might use the fifth-year option on him if he doesn't want to do that. But if they if they don't think that what we saw from Trey Waynes was that spectacular last year, 
I thought there was some really nice growth from him, and he played well. But if they aren't necessarily buying that or seeing that as his ceiling and saying, sorry, that's not worth that much, or if he's thinking about hitting the market long term, if they Mm -hmm. have that sense that he just is going to want the big money and they've already given it to Rhodes and other players on that defense, then maybe drafting a corner makes sense because you've got to have this influx of somebody's got to take the job of the next guy. And clearly from what we've seen from these players, it takes two to three years for most corners to be where they need to be uh, to be NFL stars. And I don't necessarily think it's giving up on Mackenzie Alexander if they don't, if they do draft another cornerback. I think it's loading up your best asset, which is your defense, which is why coming full circle, you don't need a top 15 quarterback to win a Super Bowl, but you do need to fix and, and you know kind of have that option in the wings waiting for several positions on defense with, you know, your cornerbacks and your and your safeties and, and trying to figure out who's next in line. But the biggest need is, is that on defense is that defensive tackle spot. Have you changed your mind on that because of Nick Foles? Because I haven't moved on you do still need an elite quarterback to win the Super Bowl. It's just every so often stuff falls into place where you don't. I think with this caliber of defense, not the defense that we saw in the NFC Championship, but the defense that we saw in – Really not the defense we saw in the playoffs, but to be honest. But defense we saw in majority of the regular season, you can win a championship with that defense. They can become the Broncos, like, again. And it's I, – I don't know if you – that's, that's why I'm not so sure that Kirk Cousins – he's not a top-ten quarter, quarterback in my mind. But can he get this job done as a top-15 quarterback with pieces in place for him to win, sustained for him for at least a few more years? Yes, I do believe that. Yeah. And, I think they'll be in the mix. I I still hesitate. I think it's going to be hard to be the number one defense again unless you load up with even more talent, unless you sign a proven nickel cornerback like Aaron Colvin, who was in my top five free agents for this team uh, from Jacksonville, or Patrick Robinson from Philadelphia. If you get a three technique who's going to be a dominant pass rushing player on that side, I thought that some of their defensive weaknesses were exposed a little bit. Uh, the Eagles also, I mean, they had home field advantage throughout, which helped them a ton. Mm-hmm. Clearly, with the Vikings going there, it was a problematic because of their top draft pick quarterback and then got over the hump with a, a quick run from Nick Foles. But I am still looking at it like, you know, if Drew Brees doesn't get Minneapolis miracled, he probably is there facing Tom Brady. Or if... Tom Brady's kicker doesn't miss an extra point against the Broncos. He should have been in that Super Bowl. You know, usually in order for that to happen, something really crazy has to fall, something really random. Or this year, no Aaron Rodgers, no Russell Wilson in the playoffs. You wonder if one of them would have ended up there. So I still think if you're, this is sort of going back to our quarterback conversation, if you are going to win with the 15th best quarterback, you better have an outrageously good team. And I'm not sure that you can build an outrageously good team when you have to plug so much money into that one guy. Yeah, I mean, if you're paying him $30 million plus, like, what that money, disip- their cap space, their $57 million for this season dissipates very quickly. And if you're talking extensions for other guys, like Anthony Barr, re-sign him now, which I think is what they should do, um, you don't have that money to go after guys in free agency. Right, and that's why you're too approaches are either sign cousins extend all of your star players now and hope that your drafts work out which we know that it's like every other year sometimes it does sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't 2016 draft is not good the 2017 draft is spectacular for the vikings so it's you know it can work out either way so you can either pour that money into cousins hope your drafts work out really well or there are so many good free agents this year you could potentially bring back Bridgewater on a very reasonable contract and get Nate Solder to come in and play left tackle, move Reef to right and Remmers to guard, and you've got a very good offensive line at that point. Mm-hmm. Or you can sign Sheldon Richardson as your three-technique defensive tackle, and then you have a beast defensive line and, and add somebody to that. I mean, you, you have to do the math there and decide, is that more worth it than it is to have a quarterback that is guaranteed to be somewhere between 10 and 15? I think it's a hard choice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's 
It's like you're trying to pour all your assets into one side of the ball. You cannot evenly distribute this. I really don't think you can. They need to figure out what is Kirk Cousins' number. What do they want to pay him? What do they think he's worth? And is he that guy? Is he really that much better than Case Keenum to get them to where they want to go? Anything else that you took away before we wrap up here from Rick Spielman? Laquan Treadwell is going to have a good year. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Go on. That's all I got to say, dog. (laughs) I'm tired. Like, no, I mean, like that, that to me, Rick was wrapping that up and he was asked about it. And, you know, they could very easily, I mean, we've, I think we've talked about the potential for trading Treadwell away. I just don't know what all you would get in return. But, Not much. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's that. I think that uh, the Latavius Murray situation could be pretty interesting, um, you know, and where he ends up. You know, those are two very different running backs, him and Dalvin Cook. And Spielman cited the explosive runs and, you know, how, how they determine, I believe, runs over 12 yards or more. And Latavius was a big part of that. 12. It's more than first down. Okay, go on. I, I mean, I just like. 15, 20, 12. Yeah, I think ESPN right. defines it as 15. Explosive pass plays are 20 or plus yards. I believe explosive runs are 15. Semantics for, or off three yards. but You know, deep passes could be the same thing, where some people can qualify your deep passes as 20 plus or 15 plus, and I kind of think, is, fifth, is a 16-yard pass a deep pass? I don't think so. I think it's more of like a 20, but... I don't know. It's all ambiguous. It's, a, it's subjective. And uh, with I, Murray, though, I think they keep him around. They could release him next year and not have much of a penalty, essentially, for it. It's like $700,000, something like that. You go and you find a number three. Be sure McKinnon won't be around. Um, you know, big news, obviously, on Wednesday at the Combine is that Jonathan Stewart was released by... Uh, you know, the Panthers. So that's big news going into free agency. And, you know, I think Jarrett can find a spot where he is part of a featured duo. So, or, you know, I don't know if he'll be the number one, but he could find a spot in New York to do that very thing. But I think with Murray, we saw him really hit his stride there that later part of the season where he was, you know, just the play designs helped him so much where it'd be like three straight plays for him and he was catching the ball better. Um, and he was, you know, just a tremendous asset for them, especially when you thought like, okay, after the ankle injury, ankle surgery, like he, you know, took him a while to get back, but I think he was really hitting his stride and Dalvin's going to need that because we don't know how, I mean, that's another thing. Rick said, you know, he got back on the field and was doing some on-field workouts with a uh, head athletic trainer, um, he was do- doing on-field stuff with head athletic trainer Eric Sugarman, but is he really going to be himself 100% ready to go for week one? That's when you rely on a guy like Murray, who will be entering his seventh season, uh, to, to k- take on some of that load because he show- he's shown he can do it. Yep, I agree. I don't think you can let a proven back walk, who also offers something different, a different sort of run scheme. He fits in better with a power scheme. Uh And so then you can offer a lot to throw at defenses, and you can also make it look like you're going to run power with him, like uh, the Eagles did with LeGarrette Blunt, and the Patriots did it with LeGarrette Blunt too, where they would load up with tight ends, and they would make it look like, all right, we're slamming this guy up the middle, and then instead they would run play action, and, and it really caused problems for defenses. Uh, with Laquan Treadwell, what is the chance in your mind that Laquan Treadwell turns it around, maximizes his potential, becomes a reasonably good NFL player? What is your percentage at this moment? 40. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. 40 is high. I know. I it's almost 50%. I was at like 7. He wants it. You can tell like with what Spielman said. I mean, it's just it's a matter of working smarter, not harder. And I think he has what it takes. He just has to be more than a receiver that blocks on special teams. I don't think he has what it takes. I mean, I I just don't. I've seen it, though. I mean, I saw it pre-injury and I saw it post-injury. With Laquan, I think it's a a mental thing. matter of, does he really, I mean, is he really invested in this, in the situation that he's in right now where it's Diggs and Thielen and they're still, we don't know who the number three receiver is going to be next year. 
Like I, I, I don't know think... if I don't know I don't know if he's had too many chances or if he's if his window's closed. But you know, I'll, I'll, I'll play devil's advocate. I'll absolutely throw him out there as you know believe he can do it. I think if you which you're you're at forty percent. Yeah, I'm not going any higher. Than that. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't know how to do a pie chart. Um, this is not a pie chart. This would just be like a bar graph with no your this bar and no my bar. this could very easily be a pie chart because it could be my percentage of yes and your percentage of no. He's not going to do it. But then we'd have to like. Then I'd have to be sixty percent. Never mind. No, it's fine. Color coded. Use really a protractor. Not try pie charts ever again. Um, <laughs> the The issue with me is that he doesn't separate, yeah. and that's really hard to win routes if you can't separate with your route running or your speed. And then he was given opportunities to win the ball on toss ups, fifty fifty balls, which he was supposed to be great at. And he didn't do that either. Baltimore. And, and yeah, and Bal- <laughs> the start of the Baltimore game is a great The first example. play. Yeah. <laughs> and he's got a shot at the a big play there. He's one-on-one. Of course, Would have been his first NFL touchdown. That was at, like, the five-yard line. He gets his hands on it, but he couldn't bring it in. It ends up being intercepted. And there were a couple of those throughout the year. And it's just, so where is the where is the talent that we've even seen flashed from him? I haven't seen I'm a I'm just not lot. ready to call him a bust yet. I was asked that question by Mike Clare, ESPN fantasy analyst. I just I think a change of scenery would do him some good. I don't think it's going to ha- I don't think whatever he set his sights upon as, you know, and as highly hyped and touted as he was, it's not I don't believe it's going to happen in Minnesota. Do I believe that 40% could happen elsewhere? Yes, I do. And I think that's a fantasy. <laughs> Look at you with your that's, puns. Okay, that's a good way to end it. Well, uh, I've enjoyed this Purple Podcast with you from the NFL Combine near an escalator uh, where we've watched people go up. My back's to the escalator. I have absolutely down. no idea. I could have yeah. missed I could have missed Mike Zimmer, and I could have missed Rick Spielman he probably didn't. sticking his tongue out at us being like... He we, made fun of us before. We tried to get him on the podcast. We offered up an opportunity. And he made fun of us. Yes, it was during Bengals week, too. I'm like, come on. This is, this is an easy episode. Like you could just like trash their entire defense. Like this is this is a, on a silver platter for you. All right. Well, we will be back. Uh, yeah, that was unnecessary from him to make fun yeah, of. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. Like much better listener numbers than he thinks. He's been uh, he's been reading our tweets. Is what he said. Yes, he did. Which I said. Interesting. So do like I dog? do not believe that he has a Twitter account. Oh, he does. He's told me that before. That he has. He's got burner accounts. Uh, yeah, he's got the burner account, and he—I mean, they all do. They yeah, all, of course. They all check what their reporters are saying. It was a joke. They learn a lot of what's going on out there in the league from the reports that come out. So, uh, I don't blame him for that. I just hope that he likes my dog pictures. That yeah, I, I mean, Twitter. you have a good-looking dog. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Well, we will uh, connect again for another podcast when we are back in the Twin Cities, and we will have. I'm hoping more quarterback news by then. So thank you, Courtney, and thank you all for listening to this episode of the Purple Podcast. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator skin. Man, I love Operator skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 best and free 20 and 23. Whether it's Baker's Simple Truth Turkey or Mac and Cheese with Murray's English Cheddar or pie made with fresh Cosmic Crisp apples, there are many dishes we look forward to sharing during the holidays. And Baker's has all the fresh ingredients you need to turn today's holidays into tomorrow's memories. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy 5 or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.